when you take an hour to plan, you can easily save 10 hours of wasted time. I'd like to welcome Rachel Cook to the Productivity is Podcast. Rachel, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right. So for the people that are listening right now, which is everyone that's actually listening, if you're not listening right now, then, you know, this is a podcast. You're supposed to listen. You can't actively like not be not be putting these earbuds in your ears and not listening. So for those listening, which is all of you, um, Rachel, people may not be familiar with you and your work. So can you share me with me a little bit about who you are and what what your productivity journey has kind of looked like based on the fact that, you know, you've, you're a mom, you've got, you run your own business. Like there's, there's, there's gotta be an interesting story there for sure. Yeah. So now currently this iteration of my business, I am the founder of the CEO collective where I help women entrepreneurs to start and scale service-based businesses, but it did not start this way. Mm -hmm. As, (laughs) as, As they often don't. As they often don't. Um, I came out of my MBA program and went straight into corporate consulting about 15 years ago and quickly burned out. Um, In fact, I took a medical leave of absence for about three months because I was just so incredibly sick and realized I was struggling from some different things, including chronic fatigue and pain and some adrenal fatigue. And I realized I needed to learn how to take care of myself. So I took that three month leave of absence and got on a yoga mat and my yoga teacher actually handed me the first iteration of my business, um, named the Yogipreneur, where she turned to me and said, Rach, I know you don't want to go back to corporate consulting, but do you think you could help me with my studio? And I was like, Oh, there are these small owner operated businesses that are completely being left behind because I don't have access to the type of consulting I've been providing to much bigger businesses. So I started the business in um, 2008, Mm -hmm. working exclusively with uh, yoga teachers, yoga studios, holistic health and uh, wellness practitioners and wellness studios. And about six months later, I got pregnant and it was twins. So (laughs) I for most women out there or really anybody who's planning to have a family, starting a business and in like basically going through the process of leaving your job, starting a business, six months later, finding out you're pregnant and then finding out it's twins. I had to get some things organized very quickly. I didn't have time to work in the old way I had been accustomed to working. So if you're coming out of the corporate consulting world, you're used to working 75, 80 hours a week. You're used to being on the road and constantly going into people's um, businesses. And I was just like, there's no way. I had to figure out how to um, be a lot more efficient with my time. And I ended up on bed rest for the last four months of my pregnancy. And that really helped me get clarity on like, okay, how am I going to make this schedule work so that I can have these babies, I can get this business going the way I want it to go and not be a complete train wreck, just absolutely run ragged. And My goal was, I remember the first year that I was really ready to come back into like more full-time into my business, I said to my coach, I need to break six figures of take-home income because that was replacing my former consulting salary. I was like, I need to finally get to that point where I'm paying myself six figures and I only want to work 25 hours a week. 
And she kind of laughed at me because at that point she didn't have kids and she was like, that's not possible. But I was like, nope, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how can I work just 25 hours a week and still make the same salary I was making before. And so my twins are 10 and a half now, and I have been working 25 hours a week since then. And it has become a big part of when I'm teaching women entrepreneurs how to grow their business, juggling their lives and their families and their need to make space for themselves and their own health and well-being. Um, this has become a huge part of a conversation that I have with them is how to actually work less and still make great money in your business. Let's talk about that, that 24, 25 hours a week uh, cycle that you've put in place. And it, it's, you, it's dubbed the model calendar approach. And I, as someone who's fascinated with time and the idea of uh, time being kind of something you can craft. And, and I mean, we have more agency over our time than we actually give ourselves credit for. How does the model calendar approach work? So I have to give credit where credit is due. I learned this from one of my very first mentors when I went into consulting and he sat down with me and said, okay, I need you to structure your week so that things aren't falling through the cracks because when you're working and traveling a lot, it's very easy for things to fall through the cracks. Right. So we would take a calendar and map out my week and block out specific tasks that I had to make sure I was on top of in order to make sure all my projects were moving forward. And this became the foundation of, of the model calendar approach that I teach to women entrepreneurs. And basically it's time blocking, but with a kind of clear rhythm to your week each and every week. So the way that we usually look at it is first we start with what personal time do you need? And this sounds backwards to most people because they're like, well, I want to start with the work stuff first. But what I found is most entrepreneurs lean towards overworking mm -hmm. and then they tell me they're burning out. They don't have time to, you know, be with their families or to go on a walk or to take care of themselves. They're not taking weekends off. And often I find it's just because they haven't put the boundary in place. So I asked them like, what do you, do you want your life to look like? What do you want your mornings to look like? What do you want your evenings to look like? When do you feel most productive? And when do you feel like you need downtime? And once we understand what you want your personal time to look like, then you kind of by default create office hours. Right. It's all the empty space in between. Um, when you have kids, this kind of turns into often like the time that they're at school. But for a lot of times, um, the first, I don't know, five or six years of my business before my kids were school age, I was literally working in the hours after my husband, who is a seventh grade English teacher, would come home at three o'clock and I'd pass off the babies, tag him in, and then go sit down and work for my block of time that I had carved out there. Right. So it's, it's about figuring out where those work hours are going to be in a way that's in alignment with what you actually want for your life. Then each day, we kind of give a theme to each day because there are certain things, if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur or you just are running your business with a lean but mighty team, which I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs are, we need to do a lot of things in order to make sure our business keeps moving forward. So I always start by blocking out my Mondays. I call my CEO day. And this is when I have my CEO date, my team meeting, and any CEO development for me. So me investing into my own leadership, me investing into my own education or training. Those are my Mondays. Tuesdays tend to be client days for me. So I have dedicated time. In fact, I 
am so meticulous about the way I run this model calendar. I can tell you my clients can book in at nine o'clock in the morning, 1030 in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon or 130 in the afternoon. And we just keep it that clear so yep. that I can have the breaks that I need. And the same thing on Wednesday. Um, Thursdays, we have our group programs where I'm on calls with our group. And then Fridays are what I call flex Friday. And most of my Fridays, I try to take off at this point, especially when, you know, things have changed a lot and different seasons of my life have changed. I enjoy taking some Fridays off so that I can have a lot more white space to think creatively. I alternate those kind of client weeks where my client days are Tuesdays, Wednesdays and groups on Thursdays with content weeks, because another huge part of my work and probably yours too, is doing things like this, doing yeah. interviews, creating content for my own community, creating content for my paid programs. So I'm always making sure I'm alternating me working with clients and me doing content, which kind of filters into marketing related activity, sales related activity, et cetera. And so I block those things out on my calendar. I don't know always exactly like what is going to happen each week, but I have a, a framework for my week that ensures that I'm consistently paying attention to the most important things in my business right now. Well, and what I like about the, uh, time theming is an element that I use in time crafting as well. So every one of my days of the week has a theme. They don't change. So like every, like for example, the reason we're doing this conversation today on a Tuesday is because it's my listening day. And so all of my podcast work happens on listening days. Now I don't do client work or have any meetings other than these kind of meetings generally generally mm -hmm. on Tuesdays, but Wednesdays, which is my looking day, which is when I do video content, there's certain parts of the day that are open for clients to book. Um, and I think that, that what you've done is there's, a, there's a lot of similarities there. What I find, and I'm, and I'm curious is it's not just the day of the week that matters, but the time of the day that matters as well, at least for me. So as, yes. and, and I'm also somebody who, you know, when, when the kids were, when we, you know, when I left my job, my daughter was, uh, so I would have been, she would have been just going to, just before kindergarten. And my son wasn't, you know, was just born. So that's when I went full time. And it was a lot of, uh, okay, when can I get the work done and how can I navigate? And I'm a night owl. So my best creative time is later in the day, which meant that I was better suited to do client work, oddly enough, earlier in the day, because I would rise to their level. Like I would, they would, I would feed off of their energy, especially considering I'm on the West coast and a lot of my clients are on the East coast. So for them, it was, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, one o'clock. And for me, it was like eight, nine, 10. So I was feeding off that, which allowed me to bring my best self to every call. What about you? Are you more of a morning and afternoon person? And how does that help with your model calendar approach? Yeah, I think knowing this is so, so important. I am a morning person. Hands down, I'm a morning person. Honestly, um, the time we're talking right now, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, my time. Normally by now I would be done for the day <laughs> because I'm starting to hit my like, I could use a little nap <laughs> type right. of of rhythm. Um, so I'm a morning person. And in fact, I'm somebody who I wake up with like a thousand ideas and I can be super creative and knock out so much creative work from like five until seven in the morning. And that's not on my model calendar, but there are definitely some days where I will get up and go first thing in the morning, um, doing a lot of creative stuff. I, I find that that's my peak creative time. I struggle personally with context switching a lot, which is right. why I've had to section off 
client-facing weeks from content-facing weeks Mm -hmm. because I struggled so much when I was trying to get clients to fit into my calendar between, you know, all these other things. And then my brain would just, it felt like I was short circuiting. Like I would just end the day feeling exhausted. But now that I've stacked all those calls together, I have a great time and I've taken the pressure off that I need to do anything else during those days. I'm just like, nope, it's a client week. I can just enjoy these calls and have a great time with them and wrap up the day knowing that that's all I needed to do mm-hmm. and not feel like I'm trying to cram a lot of other things in that just really, really drains my energy. And see, that's fascinating because it, again, it just goes to show how personal productivity is because I can't do that. If I do just straight up client work, it, the, I just, I'm wiped. I've given myself so much that I need those breaks of, okay, I finished a client call. Like my client calls ended around noon or one o'clock my brain then goes, oh, what's today's theme? Oh, today's Wednesday. Wednesday's looking day. Okay, now I get to do all this stuff. So I, for me, I like spreading my client workout. Like they could book any any day, of the, not any day of the week, but every week there's client bookings happening. Just like every week there's content stuff happening. I need that breakup. It's kind of look up in, in the season that yeah. we're in right now. I've had to break up the monotony of the days feeling like the same, even with themes, because that's another thing. Theming can help when... Because it helps you engineer certainty, right? Around when, especially when things are so uncertain, it helps with that. But I've also had to break up the monotony by doing things I've never done before, like woodworking, like building things and gardening and things like that, because the the day the the days are just blending into one another. Theming has definitely helped with that. But again, this just goes to show, like if I was to do client, like I have a client week, I would by Wednesday be burnt out. I couldn't do it because it's just give, 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 give. So I, uh, for me, it's there's a give and take. And I think it's important yeah. not just to what we alluded to about the time of day, but to know that about yourself as well, right? Yeah, that's why I have such specific times for when my clients can book in because mm-hmm. I've tried every combination. And I know that if I have people scheduled back to back to back and I don't have at least a 30-minute buffer between each call, um, I will get exhausted. Right. But because I've given myself a 30-minute buffer – It's not really long enough for me to try to squeeze another task in there because by the time you wrap up the call, put down your notes, you know, I'm I'm a note taker. So I Mm -hmm. get all my notes in, fire them a quick follow-up email. Then I've got about 20 minutes to, I can take a walk around the block. I can get up and have a snack. I can do something like that. It's just enough time for me to get like that minute away from the screen, but not enough time for me to get into something different, (laughs) which is, yeah. A way to protect myself from myself, which is a lot of productivity is really protecting myself from myself. Yeah, the empathy, like having self-empathy towards like those kind of – I want to touch on something really, really quickly here. Um, the idea that uh, you're closing a chapter – like every time you work with a client, you start, you, you, you start and you finish. I think that that's a key thing mm-hmm. too is I think a lot of people, uh, what they'll do is they'll – especially when they're using like time blocking or – is they'll – they – they will not necessarily close that off. And I think that what you've mentioned is really important, especially if you're dealing with clients, is that it's important to close that chapter or that that day or that session off mm-hmm. as much as possible before moving on to the next because of that attention residue that can linger, right? Yep. It's exactly why I build in these little buffer periods because I could have a minute to think and make sure that they have everything they need. And there, I like to send notes because I find 
my sessions with my clients tend to go really quickly. And just by sending them, here's your call recording and here's your next three steps. I have a space to just close it off and make sure they feel really confident until our next time together. Can I uh, shift gears a little bit here Yeah, and, and talk about um, how, what this evolution of the model calendar looks like? Because I know, and I'm sure you do as well, working with people who are achievers and they really want to take things to the next level is that they try to do all of this at once. And I think sharing the, the, Hey, this didn't just happen like that. Like it wasn't like one day you woke up and go, this is what the calendar looked like. What was, what was the process? Is it, is it still evolutionary? Like, I think that that's an important message to convey if in fact that is the message. But I mean, for me, I think that it's important for people to know that this is not just a one and done scenario. It's absolutely not a one and done scenario. And it's one that if you're just getting started, it's going to look dramatically different than if you're 10 or more years into your business. So the biggest thing I hear from people when they look at, if I actually draw out my model calendar, they're like, Rachel, when do you answer emails? This is the biggest question I get. (laughs) (laughs) When do you have time to answer emails? And my answer is I don't answer emails. Someone on my team does that. And once a day I will spend five minutes looking at anything she needs me to look at. Um, So there are certain things that I had to get clarity around where my highest and best value was to my business. Right. And it wasn't being in my inbox and it wasn't managing my calendar. Um, I had someone on my team take over those roles as quickly as possible. It wasn't trying to make sure the invoices were all sent and that all the agreements were in place. Like all of those kind of admin customer service things, I had to get someone else in place um, as soon as possible, because I knew that was not the highest and best use of my time. It wasn't revenue generating. And when you have 25 hours a week, you can't spend half of those hours doing customer service. Like you just can't and hit the revenue goals that you have. The other thing that a lot of people ask me about is, well, you're producing so much. How do you do that? Well, I don't do it by myself. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, a. I think a lot of times, um, when people are looking at like my calendar, how are you producing a podcast every single week, a newsletter every single week, a masterclass for your clients every month, like just the volume of content. And then you expand that over a decade of creating content. It's just a lot, a lot, a lot of content, but I have built in systems and structure in my business so that I stay in my lane and only focus on the things that I'm best at. And my team, like we, it's like a baton pass off in a relay race. Like I record the podcast and pass it off for them to edit it, transcribe it, put the show notes up, do all the other things. So I've eliminated a lot of those um, kind of operational tasks that need to go on in the business. At this point, I'm so far removed from like the technology. If someone's like, how do I log into this thing and this site? I'm like, I have no idea. You have to talk to the team. I don't know how that works anymore. Uh And I had to fire myself from basically every job that wasn't talking to um, potential clients or actual paying clients, working on content or being the CEO. Everything else I have fired myself from. (laughs) because it's the only way to grow the business. Well, and I think the other important distinction there is you need to decide what are those high value tasks. And for you, they're going to be different than for somebody else. I know that when I talk to Derek Sivers, um, and again, this is a completely, it it depends on the business you run and all that stuff. But Derek Sivers makes a point of answering every email that comes his way. Now for him, that's a high value task, but then he's obviously offloaded 
other things to other people. Absolutely. So you get, you get to decide what that is, but the thing is you need to decide. I think this is such an important thing to remember. I, I remember somebody sent a not very nice email to me once, um, that I wasn't personally replying to every email. And I said, you know what? I have three children and only 24 hours in a day and spending more than 30 minutes a day in my inbox is not a priority to me. Right, right. And I totally understand people who do. And I think it's awesome that they will actually do that. It somehow must work with the way that they process and think I am not a writer. I would always rather talk things out. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I had to do that, everybody would be getting like voice memos from me. Because it's the only way I could get it done. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and I think that that's, again, the what's not, everyone is going to be different. That's why it's so subjective. So the fact that, you know, I mean, I have email, I have several different email accounts. And the reason I have those is so I can give the keys to other people, like the sales account goes to this person. And the, but if someone emails me personally, then, then I have a choice. Like, and it depends on, yep. first off, who get, where they get, sometimes you can have your personal email out there for that and someone else could get it. Like, you just don't know. And I think that um, what's interesting is I've had clients that, uh, that, or potential clients that have said, well, I want, when I've set up, you know, you can only meet with me at these times. They're like, well, that doesn't work for me. And I said, well, I'm with my kids. And I've had one say, well, you know what? Uh, like, for example, the kids are off on this day because of this. Oh, well, still, I'm like, okay, listen, like your values, my values aren't jiving here because I want to spend time with my, the whole reason I'm doing this yeah. is to spend more time with my kids. So that, that means that we can't proceed with a relationship. And I think that that's, Another thing, like there's so many decisions when you're at that level of the CEO that you need to make that are based on the long-term plan, the long-term games, that second order thinking that a lot of people don't do that when you do those front end decisions of putting systems in place, they just, it's the frameworks foster the freedom, right? Absolutely. I mean, I get so detailed about this that we have an SOP for how we run my calendar, yep. how we run all my client appointments, how we, I mean, we have SOPs for every single thing about how we run these schedules within the business. We have SOPs for every part about how we manage the inbox and what gets escalated to me and what doesn't. And those things, I mean, I didn't come out of the gate having all those things in place. I had to learn by trial and error and often by being pushed beyond what felt good. Um, and I had to make some hard calls along the way. One of them was I had a lot of clients in Australia at one point. Um, and I love all my Australian clients and Zealand clients and everyone in that side of the world. And I was staying up really late at night in order to chat with them. It was a time I am at my worst because I'm tired yep. and my kids want my attention. And so I was either trying to fight with bedtime and getting three children to sleep and and have a call at the same time, or it was after bedtime. And anyone who knows kids knows that bedtime isn't really over until like half an hour after they're supposed to go to sleep because <laughs> yes, we there's a whole like yep. getting up, getting a drink. I need to go to the bathroom. I need another cuddle. Can you read me one more book? And so it was just exhausting for me. And I was like, you know what? I cannot, you might be the best client on the planet, but I know that I do my best work between these hours and I can't, I can't make an exception for everybody because it's always making the exceptions to those things. It's always at my own personal expense. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to bring your best self to any situation because you're no, you're, then you're just yeah. resentful. Well, it's what's that <laughs> adage. If you try to please everybody, you please nobody. Nobody. 
Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the conversation now to talk about this episode's sponsors. Okay, as I'm going holiday shopping, I'm looking for certain things on my family computer that I don't necessarily want them to see. I don't even want anyone to see necessarily because you just never know. And I know most of you are probably thinking, okay, but why don't you just use incognito mode in your browser? But let me tell you something, incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. And that's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon or Comcast, ISPs in the United States can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I've got ExpressVPN on. It just runs seamlessly in the background, and it's so easy to use. I've tried a bunch of VPN services before, and ExpressVPN just beats them hands down. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link. That's expressvpn.com slash timecrafting. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash timecrafting. And you can visit there to learn more. Seriously, you don't want to pass on this deal. So check out expressvpn.com slash timecrafting. Get that extra three months free on a one-year package today. So this week, my wife got a new MacBook Air, one of the new MacBook Airs. And we're figuring out what app should we put on this thing? That's one of the things that's coming to mind. I'm like, listen, you don't need anything other than this one thing to put on your Mac. And it's set app. Set app is the best way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to be successful and productive. It's a subscription for Mac apps. That's what set app is. So you don't need to have any other apps to, to do this. You can just use Setup. My wife is going to absolutely love this once we get it up and going on her new machine. See, Setup packs over 200 high-quality apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you can stay in your flow 
and finish what you started. SetApp also now allows you to take your projects to your iPhones and iPads with support for iOS companion apps for your Mac favorites like Ulysses, To-Do, and TaskKeep. So my wife, who also has an iPhone, will be able to use SetApp on both. SetApp has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps, so you don't have to search for the best tools anymore. They're already in SetApp. That's going to save my wife and you a ton of time. It's saving me time right now as well with the apps that I'm using through SetApp. It's also really a great value. Instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. And new apps are being added to SetApp regularly. Updates are free and all the apps are full featured pro versions, so you don't have to worry about any kind of limitations when you use apps coming directly from SetApp. Now, in order to really get the most out of SetApp, you're gonna wanna check out what they can offer you for free for one week. So I want you to put it through the paces. So visit setapp.com and try it out for a week. Now, if you like setup, plans start at just $9.99 per month. That's a steal. That's amazing. And you can use it for as long as it's useful for you. And trust, trust me, it will be. So that's setup. That's S-E-T-A-P-P.com. Check out setup.com. Get it free for a week. You'll be glad you did. There's a lot of business going on online these days, more now than ever before. And if growing an e-commerce business is your focus, then you need a platform that's focused on growth. And that's where Klaviyo comes in. Klaviyo is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. Whether you're just getting started or running a well-known brand, it gives you everything you need to send memorable, branded emails, text messages, and more so you can build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. With flexible automations, powerful insights, and super precise targeting, Klaviyo is a faster way to turn great ideas into great customer experiences. That's why it's trusted by more than 40,000 brands like Living Proof, Huckberry, and Eight Sleep, and more. In fact, on average, Klaviyo customers see a 41% increase in overall revenue within five months. And Klaviyo scales with you so you never have to switch. They support everything from garage startups to iconic billion-dollar brands. I wonder where productivity is fits into the mix there. If you want to learn more about how you can grow your brand with Klaviyo, then just visit klaviyo.com grow to get started with a free trial today. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash grow. And check out what Klaviyo has to offer you and your business today. We live in uncertain times. We always will have uncertainty in our lives. And with that can come overwhelm, stress, so many things. And these things shape how we perform, you know, how we handle stress, the kind of sleep we're getting, the recovery that we need, you know, whether we're exercising at the gym or whether we're, you know, trying to do so at home or at work. These things all have a role in our lives and in our productivity as well. And I know that that. I face those things myself, um, you know, the, the idea of overwhelm and stress and lack of focus from time to time and, you know, waning energy. These things just, they just happen. And so one thing I've added to my daily routine, and it's helped, it's helped make a noticeable difference to me is New Calm. Now, I've really just started using New Calm right now. They've got um, these different uh these different programs that I can take. There's the three-day program. There's the rescue program. I did that one this morning. Um, and I have to say that after each session, I have felt 
recharged, re-energized, and been able to reclaim the day. Now, it's imperative for your health and happiness to be able to manage stress and not be managed by it. And Newcom gives you the power and control to, you know, relax and recharge anywhere and at any time. You can not only, uh, you know, reclaim the day, but you can own the day with Newcom. See, Newcom is the only stress management system of its kind, clinically proven in over 1 million sessions to improve your sleep, reduce your stress, and boost your recovery without drugs and side effects. The Newcom system uses cutting-edge neuroscience and consists of three non-invasive and non-pharmaceutical items, all of which are included in your monthly subscription that costs less than a daily cup of coffee. The whole process is easy to use and to work into your daily routine to achieve better sleep, reduction in stress, and boost in recovery. Now, I'm a night owl, so I actually want to start off the day the best way possible. So I've actually incorporated Newcom into my morning routine. And then I'm just doing straight up meditation in the evening to kind of wind down my day. And those things work really well in tandem. I'm really excited to see what else Newcom can bring to me over my you know, usage over the next several weeks, months, and beyond. And I'd like you to get a chance to test out what Newcom can do for you as well. So just you know, really just do what I did. Own the day with Newcom. We have a special link set up specifically for listeners of the Productivity is Podcast. All you need to do is go to timecraftingnewcom.com and you'll get, get this, 50% off your 30-day subscription of Newcom and their money-back guarantee. So that's timecraftingnucalm.com, the whole domain, and you'll get that 50% off your 30-day subscription plus their money-back guarantee. So again, go to timecraftingnucalm.com and take advantage of this offer today. You will not regret it. And now let's get back to my conversation with Rachel Cook here on the Productivityist Podcast. This is an interesting um, rabbit hole we're going to go down for a second here, but I'm going to go down it anyway, at, 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 at maybe, <laughs> at my, maybe at my peril. But, um, you know, productivity tips for women entrepreneurs. Now, I get it because, you know, that women entrepreneurs need tips, but so do male entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. what's interesting is that the niching down matters. Making choices around being deliberate, like I'm, I'm only going to serve these types of clients matters. Why, why does, the, and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to use the women, men example because I think that they're, they're, that's, again, that's a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. But make, <laughs> drawing your line in the sense going, here's who I serve, here's how I operate. Why is that so important when you're trying to be the best CEO that you can be? Mm. For me, it has a lot to do with what my overall mission is and where I feel like I can make the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. And when I, first of all, when I was in corporate consulting, I was the only woman in the office. Um, And that might, I mean, it's 15, 20 years ago, but being the only woman in a lot of scenarios, um, you start to realize one, there's not a lot of mentors who are also women. And there's a lot of um, competitiveness and challenges inherent in that. Um, at least there was then. Right. When I started my business, I struggled to find mentors. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard for me to find someone who was walking the same path I was walking, um, who had children, who valued my time. There was a lot of people who were talking about how to build a consulting coaching business and make tons of money on the internet. 
Yeah. Lots of people talking that, about that. That's still happening to this day. <laughs> and a lot of people talking about like hustle, hustle, hustle. I remember when um, Tim Ferriss's book came out, The 4-Hour Workweek, mm-hmm. and I was still in consulting. And I looked at that cover. And I was like, this guy is a joke. There's no way. And then as I left consulting and, and got into building my own business, I was like, oh, there's actually something to some of these things he's talking about. This could actually work. Maybe I really can have this life that I want where I'm not working just to, you know, pay the bills and just constantly feeling like I'm grinding it out. And I hear this from women all the time. We don't have enough role models. We just don't Mm -hmm. right now. If you're to look out for, you know, fortune 500 CEOs, 7% are women. There are more fortune 500 CEOs right now named John then there are women CEOs in the Fortune 500, and it's it's across the board too. I mean, in the productivity space, I can't I can think of maybe two or three women in the productivity space, and the rest are male and often white males. Like it's just it, it's yeah. it, it's across the board. And there's a lot of challenges inherent in that because a lot of and this is me going on a little rage rant here, but a lot of the things that are being taught around business around productivity were taught from the perspective of there's someone else keeping your life on track. Yeah. There's someone else managing your life. There's someone else handling your kids. Our entire work system was built around a woman being at home and having all this labor she's doing that's completely unpaid and unappreciated. When you're a woman entrepreneur and you're trying to balance all of these things, we've got to shift the paradigms mm-hmm. and we got to talk about how do we bring equality and equity into our families? How do we bring equality and equity into the way we're structuring our businesses? How do we bring all of that across the board and make sure that it truly is working for us? Cause we can't work in that old paradigm. No. It does not work for us very well. And those who try to force that often struggle the most with burnout. Right. Because Even, it, yeah, because they're trying to do both. They're trying to do both things, right? They're trying, because the other, there's, yeah. there's no give and take. And, and it, that, that to me is one of the biggest problems is that we tend to swing the pendulum so far the other way. Like harmony is so important. I think with this stuff, like, like having some yeah. sense of, of when you cut, when you cut too far the other way, look at, well, here's an example. You talk, when you looked at the Tim Ferriss book that said the four hour work week with the hammock and two palm trees, the bias that showed up was four hour work week. You're crazy. Like that literally, yeah. but then when you get past the title and we, and he, Tim Ferriss has made a point of saying that title was meant to sell books. Like there's no question because the, it, it really boils down to, it only feels like you're working for four hours. Like it, you're actually, you know, the, you're doing the valuable stuff. You're putting things in place that allow you to feel that way. But it, you know, it's the same thing with the most book titles that are out there are meant to, you know, draw attention. Um, but once you break past that bias, then you can make measured, reasoned choices around making changes as opposed to just go, doing knee-jerk reactions. And I think that the, that's part of the problem for, for uh, yeah. when it comes to this is that you have to, um, what, what do they say, steer the culture ship slowly, right? Like Because it's a big yeah. ship, and if you try to steer it too quickly, number one, you can end up in the wrong direction, or number two, you can end up tipping the boat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and I think this is one of the, ongoing things that I am, um, on a mission to correct, to help correct, because I feel like I, I truly deeply in my heart feel like so many of the problems and challenges in this world will be solved by giving more women, more power and more wealth. Agreed. And the best 
way for so many of them to do that is not going to be by trying to climb the corporate ladder in a broken system. It's going to be by building brand new businesses that are fixing the systemic problems from the ground up. And that's why I serve who I serve, because I want to be the person behind all those women. I want to be the coach behind all these amazing CEOs who are learning how to really transform the world into a new paradigm, not built on a really archaic idea that we should just be working eight hours a week or eight hours a day for 40 hours a week based on, you know, the industrial revolution from hundreds of years ago. That doesn't work for us. Well, and educate, I mean, there's so many systems that are built on like the idea of the, uh, there's a documentary called most likely to, I think Mm -hmm. it's called most likely to, it's about the education system. And when you think about the history of the education system, it was designed to create workers for, industry like that's like bell rings you do this like that that's ultimately what it was initially because now we're seeing project-based learning we're seeing our sorry inquiry-based learning things like that models need to change because the world is evolving (laughs) i mean in the season that we're in right now as we're recording this uh time is more fluid than ever before we need to focus on results-based uh outcomes as opposed to oh you put in your eight hours today good job you know Here's a handshake because that doesn't, that doesn't work. I mean, you could get, there are some people who can get, uh, you know, certain things done in way less time and, and have amazing outcomes, but because they're asked to work eight hours and, or if they're not visible for eight hours, then they're not being productive, which is just not true. So the paradigm on so many, I mean, that's frankly, when we have remote work going on and we have, uh, you know, the idea of people being thrust into these situations by force as opposed to by choice, all of a sudden that changes the way things can operate. And I think that, that, you know, even when you're talking about like your model calendar approach, most people think there's no way I could theme my days. And that's a load of crap. You can totally do yeah. that. <laughs> you just need to decide and then not, not do it again. That, that, that shift of, I, I didn't theme my days at all to, I'm going to theme seven days a week and do two weeks. No, that won't work either because you're asking your brain to do too much all at once. But if you choose one day, maybe to start, yeah. right? Or a couple days or you, and I and, mean, and maybe what, like here, here's a question as we get close to wrapping up, you talk about the CEO date, right? Like yeah. that, that could be the place to start, right? Could you explain a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. And I highly recommend making this the place to start. So the CEO date is just my name for a standing appointment I have on my calendar with the CEO of my company, which is me. Mm-hmm. And this is the time where I'm literally sitting down and checking in with my business. I go through a checklist that I have. I have literally made a checklist for this and I do it every single week, even though I've been doing it for a decade. And I check in on, okay, what is our vision? What are we focused on doing this quarter? How are we tracking towards these goals? How is a team looking on all these projects? What are the metrics of success? How are we doing with all those metrics of success we are measuring every single week and month? What does our revenue look like? I'm asking myself all these questions so that I'm not caught off guard. Then once I've checked in with the business and checked in with our 90-day plan, because my business runs on a 90-day planning system, I have time to sit down and plan my week and course correct as needed. So I try not to overly schedule myself. That's why I love having theme days. But every Monday during my CEO date, I actually start plugging tasks into the calendar. If I need to get some writing done or I need to get some recording done, I block out those times on the right days so that I'm sure it's going to get done. And what I have found with my clients who do this, and 
the research I found on this is amazing. When you take an hour to plan, you can easily save 10 hours of wasted time. Right. And this is one of the fastest ways to free up time in your calendar is to just start planning your week. I read somewhere and this, I had to find the articles a long time ago. It basically said each time people sit down to get ready to work, if you are spending 30 minutes every day sitting down and then trying to figure out where you're going to get started every single morning, think about that. You end up wasting two and a half hours a week. Yep. Well, that starts to exponentially multiply over the course of a year to the tune of three weeks of wasted time every single year. Mm -hmm. And if you just take the time to plan your work, you'll optimize on that time and you will be able to sit down and get right into the work instead of sitting down to figure out what do I need to do next? It keeps you on track and focus. So that's where I always recommend people start is if the idea of an entire model calendar seems like too much no problem. Make yourself a standing appointment to check in on your biggest priorities. And even if you're not running a business, like what are the biggest things in your life that you need to make sure you're tracking, checking in on and making space for? This could be simply sitting down if your health is important. Okay. What is the meal planning this week? What is the workout planning this week? What, who do I need to see for body work or chiropractic work or any other things to make sure I'm in great health? the same thing can apply to any, any area of your life. And I was going to get to that because you, you'd be the CEO of your, not just your business, but of your life, right? Like that's, I mean, yep. you're the only, and, and as you were talking about that meal planning comes to mind when you think about it, when you think about meal planning, right. Um, and we did this yesterday, literally as we're sitting, oh no, two days ago, we do it on Sunday. We planned our meals in our house for a family of four. We have a very picky, picky eater at nine years old who only wants to eat tacos and pasta and burgers. Uh, we have my wife who's got gluten sensitivity. We've got my daughter who says she doesn't care what she we have for dinner, but sometimes when we say, oh, this is for dinner, she goes, oh. Um, and then we have me who is like, I'll eat whatever, right? So, But we sat down looking at my wife's work schedule because she's back at work now, looking at my work schedule, looking, and we planned out a week's worth of yep. meals. Now, again, I think the other great thing about planning is if you have a plan, plans can change. There's that Eisenhower quote, and I mentioned it earlier today in a webinar I was doing. While when going into battle, I find planning to be useful, but plans useless. I think that that mm -hmm. can apply in some instances where you're like, okay, we planned on cooking this for dinner, but the grocery store was out of this. So therefore we had to make an adjustment, but we only have just one day. We don't have to adjust the entire, but when you sit down, like if we were to finish today, or you were to finish today and go, like, what's for dinner? And you don't have a plan in place. The bandwidth, like you said, that you're taking to, okay, well, I got to go through the fridge. What do we have? All this stuff. Oh, wait, no, we ate pasta yesterday. Do we really? Oh, someone to, you, you by sitting down and we, it took us literally 15 minutes, maybe a little yeah. bit longer to plan our meals for seven days of the week. It helped us play, prepare our grocery list. It helped everyone now knows what they're going to have, so there's no surprises. We also plan when we're going to sit at the table and when we're not going to sit at the table, have a bit more, you know, freedom. But also now we know, you know, now we know what we're grocery shopping for, so we can plan and save money. We're not going to overbuy groceries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That second, like that second and third and fourth cause and effect thing, really matters. And if you're just thinking about that with meals, imagine what you're thinking about when it comes to everything else, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's an easy example to see like how much time could be wasted day to day. Mm -hmm. 
I, I remember we got to the point where my husband was going to the grocery store like four or five times a week. And I was like, what is happening? This is not working yeah. out. It's You're like, wasting it's like a so Euro- much time. It's like a European shopping. market trip every single day. Like you let I mean, like, go to Costco, pick up all the stuff you need for a week and you're good to go. Right. And it's the same idea is that you're really able to conserve so much time and energy and you're not spinning your wheels so much trying to figure out what you're going to do each day. Plus, you can plan if you want to go eat, have a meal out or have then then you have something to look forward to. Then you're creating like so there's this they say like there's so many benefits to it. But so many people say, well, I don't have time to plan my meals. And it's like, listen, if you took time to plan them, then you could figure out where your blind spots are. Well, that's why we bought an instant pot. We know like, oh yep. my goodness, we got so much going on. We need an, if we had an instant pot, I could literally start my meals at 10 a.m., have it sit there all day in the slow cooker and it's done by six at night or, oh my goodness, we only have a half hour. What can I pressure cook quickly? So you get to, yep. it, it creates uh, that front end stuff is really, really, that's why when you said put your SOPs in place and all that stuff, so many people get caught up in the bias of, well, I'll just do it later. I'll do it myself or it's just much easier to do it myself. If you're going to end up doing that, um, and it, then then you're never going to be able to get ahead. And then if you're not being proactive and you're being reactive, that's not productive at all. Exactly. Exactly. And I find that for people who say, I don't have time to plan, I'm just like, okay, how much longer can you keep going like this? Mm-hmm. How much longer do you want to put up with this? Because usually if they're telling me they don't have time to plan, they're also simultaneously telling me how exhausted they are, how they never get a break, how they never have a day off, or they never have some quiet time. I'm like, well, what if you planned to take a day off? Oh, well, my calendar just keeps filling up. I'm like, guess what? It's your calendar. You're completely 100% (laughs) in control of it. And you're choosing to stay overwhelmed and exhausted instead of putting some structure in place to protect your energy. And if you can't protect your energy and your health and your well-being, it's going to be really hard to show up as you want to as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a parent, as a spouse. You know, you can't show up the way you want to in all the areas of your life if you're just letting your life run all over you and not have any control over it. Rachel, this has been a great conversation. I know we could keep talking for for a lot longer, <laughs> but uh in the interest of, of uh, letting people move on and, and actually start to plan out some of the stuff that we talked about today, uh, we'll let them go now. But where can people keep up with you and your work? Yes, you can find me at rachelcook.com. And actually, if you head to rachelcook.com slash productivityist, you can get the CEO date checklist that I talked about. It's a great way to get started with that just little one hour appointment to start organizing your week. Rachel, thanks again so much for joining me today on the Productivity is Podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great.